You're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're kicking off uh, part two here of the thoughts in my head, and I know I've mentioned to you guys several times in the past about that place between the center console and the car seat called the abyss, that place that's right there that you lose stuff in, man, keys, phones, limbs, like all kinds of things down in the abyss. And I've told the story several times, and so I talk about this, and a few weeks ago, my buddy Jared, who's sitting right there, came with a gift for me. And this is called a car gap filler. Did you know that they make these? You can put these in that spot and your phone is just going to hit this thing and get stuck. It's not going to go down into the abyss. I think it's an incredible thing. I think we should all have them. Now, this is called the car gap filler, but I like to call it the abyss destroyer. Okay, so I also think that's a great metal band name if you're looking for one. But uh, I, I think about that space between the seat and how important it is that it's filled up. And in this series, we're talking about the space in our head. We're talking about the thoughts in our head and how important it is that we fill that space with the right thoughts. Last week, we began to talk about the fact that lies end up in that space, that jealousy and lust and anger and hate, all kinds of crazy stuff can end up in that space in our head, those thoughts in our head. And so in this series, we're talking about how to guard that space and fill it with the right things. And last week, we talked about this cement block here. We talked about the fact that there was a time this was not a cement block. It was a cement fluid that had all the right mixture to form and set and become this cement block. But for a time, while it was fluid, it could have been overrun. If we had spilled some of the cement while this block was being made, you could take a hose, spray on it, overrun the cement mixture with water, and clean it up and deal with it, right? We also talked about how the cement can over time set in and become hard like this and almost like the mindsets that we have, the thoughts that have been in our head for a long time, they were fluid, they started out as a thought, an idea, we read a book, we went to a school and we heard a professor say something, we talked with a friend, something, a parent taught us, and over time, as that thought kept on flowing through our head, it set in and it became concrete. And what we learned last week is that the thoughts in our head kind of form just like that and we can overrun fluid thoughts that are trying to make their way into our mind that are not what God wants us to be thinking about. And we can also, just like I could take a sledgehammer and break this concrete block up, we can break up mindsets that we've had for maybe even decades as things that sometimes set in our minds and become really stuck and ingrained. God's like, hey, I've got something better for you. I want you to think a new way. And we saw last week that what we think about is so important is because what we think about ends up kind of directing how we act and how we live. And so I hope this past week you kind of caught yourself working through it. I hope that you realized there were some thoughts running through your head, kind of fluid, that you needed to stop. We talked last week about taking every thought captive, those thoughts that just need to be shut down a little bit and taken captive so they can't keep flowing. And I pray this past week you were doing that. I pray also this past week there were some moments where you kind of just stopped yourself and said, you know, that's a mindset I've had for a long time and it needs to be broken up. Maybe you're going through your week and all of a sudden this arrogance rose up and you're like, you know what? Enough of that. That's a mindset I've had for a long time. I'm going to break it up with the truth of God's word. That's a lustful mindset. It's an angry mindset, whatever it might be. And there was this moment where you just stopped it and said, no, 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 no. We're going to break this thing up with the truth of God's word. And we saw last week that we've got to fill our head with God's thoughts, not just good thoughts, 
God's thoughts. And so I pray you caught yourself doing that this week. I'm going to ask Pastor Ravone to do me a huge favor so we make it through this service all right. I'm sensing it's a little warm in here. He's already getting up before I said it. So Pastor's going to go ahead and deal with that. Isn't it wonderful that they put the thermometer or the thermostat right by the stage? Is that brilliant designing right there? Like right where everybody's looking. Thank you so much, Pastor. Appreciate it. Look, can we give it up for Pastor Ravone for the amazing? Thank you so much. All right, cool. And so neurologists talk about, and and neuroscientists rather, talk about how when we think about things, they begin to form new pathways in our mind and our brain, and they begin to settle in and sit, and the more time and attention we spend on something, the more it becomes concrete. And so what thoughts are filling up your head? What's filling up that space in your mind? Maybe we got to get some car gap fillers, so to speak, some, some right thoughts in our head so that the wrong thoughts can occupy space. And so today, I want us to really focus on a specific mindset, some thoughts that I think a lot of us can identify with that run through our head that need to be stopped and or broken up like this concrete block. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at specific mindsets. Last week, we we zoomed out and we said, here's what's true of us. We can stop the mindsets that are wrong. We can break up the mindsets that have been there for a long time. We can stop those thoughts from flowing that shouldn't be flowing. We, by God's grace, we have what it takes with him in our life to do that. But this week, I want to talk about a specific mindset in the next week and the next week, and we're going to continue going. Today, the mindset that I want to talk with you about, the thoughts in your head that I want to talk with you about are these thoughts, and I think they're running through some of our heads even right now. God doesn't love me, and he's abandoned me. God doesn't love me, and he's abandoned me. Now, everybody in the room and everybody watching online just had a response to those, those, those thoughts I just threw out there. Some of you were like, oh man, that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. I feel like God doesn't love me. I feel like he's abandoned me. Now, some of us wouldn't say it in that way, but we have maybe said, God, if you love me, then why? Or God, if you haven't abandoned me, then how? How is this going on? If you love me and are with me and haven't abandoned me, then this is not where I should be in life right now. This is not what I should be going through. So clearly, because I'm going through these things, you must not love me or have abandoned me. Now, some of you are like, that's exactly where I've been. Some of you are like, that's not where I am at all. In fact, you might be saying, Doug, that's kind of like basic. Like, Doug, if you were to ask all of us here in the room and those of us watching online, if we think God loves us or if we think he's abandoned us, we'd all be able to raise our hands and say the truth. Okay, but here's what I know about you and I know about me. What we know theologically so often, we struggle with emotionally and practically, don't we? What we know, what we could all raise our hand and say, oh, I'm going to guess Doug's going to say today that God does love me and hasn't abandoned me. We could probably all have said that before I started the message. But if I'm being honest with you, a guy who's been a pastor for a long time and known Jesus for a lot of years, at 44 years old, this past week, I had flowing through my mind at different times, God, if you love me, how come? God, if you haven't abandoned me, then why? And I bet you have too. Now, if you haven't had those struggles, I just want to say that you can take what we're going to talk about today and this concept of taking our minds and our thoughts captive and filling them with God's thoughts about any struggle you have in your mind mentally. So if you're like, this isn't where I'm at, but I'm struggling with lust, well, take what we're going to learn today and apply it to that area of your life. This isn't what I'm struggling with, but I really am struggling with unforgiveness. Well, take what we're going to talk about today and apply it to your life. See, today I don't want to just tell you that God loves you and hasn't abandoned you. I want to show you how to think that way each day. I want to show you how to 
teach that to yourself, to preach that to yourself, to say that to yourself, to dwell on that so it sinks in on not just a theological mental level, but on that emotional, practical level every single day of our life. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he took over a church from a pastor who was leaving the church that had been there for decades to go be a professor at a Bible college. And so this guy obviously knows the word of God. He's a smart guy, has his doctorate in theology. And after he left the church and was a Bible college professor, he was given a horrible cancer diagnosis and came back to visit my friend. And they were talking and my friend just said to him, so how are you really? Like, what's really going on? And he said, I have to be honest with you. Every day I'm wondering if I really belong to Jesus. Why? Because what he knew theologically was a struggle emotionally and practically for him because of what he was going through. And what he would then think about was so important. And what he would then fill his mind with was so important. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. C.S. Lewis, who is an amazing author and deep theologian, said that one of the deepest truths is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So I'm guessing that maybe though you know theologically some of the things that we're going to talk about today, can we begin to learn how to be the kind of people that think about this and preach this to ourselves and meditate on it and speak it to ourselves enough that it comes out emotionally and spiritually and practically in our everyday lives? Because I'm telling you, if I'm the devil, I want to whisper in your ear for the rest of your life that you are not loved and that God has abandoned you. And so today we've got to not just get the reminder that we're loved and not abandoned, we have to learn how to take that truth and fill our mind with it over and over and over again daily. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're struggling with this. Maybe you woke up today going, there's no way God loves me. There's no way he wants me. I'm, I've, I've made a mess of my life. I'm a failure. I've screwed up in so many different ways. There's no way God wants me. There's, there's, he has every right to abandon me. Or maybe you're angry at God because you, you know he's there, but he's abandoning you. Your friend, he didn't abandon. Your, your parent, he didn't abandon. But you, somehow, you got abandoned. And so today we're going to talk through that. We're going to look at the book of Lamentations today. From the name, you can tell it's a lament. It's a book of sorrow. It's a book of somebody looking at life through the lenses of deep pain. And Jeremiah had sorrow over the fact that his people had turned so far from God. And he also had sorrow because they were walking through a time of great discipline because of it. What I love is, and if you're a note taker, write this down. The Hebrew Bible has a different title for the book of Lamentations. It's called the book of Ekah. Everybody say Ekah. Now, what does Ekah mean? Listen, it's just so important. It literally means the book of how, or if I can say it this way, the book of, ah, how. Like, in other words, Jeremiah is going, God, how? God, ah, how? If you love me, and if you haven't abandoned us, then how are we here right now? You see, he's asking a lot of the questions that you and I ask as we work through the difficulties in our lives. God, how are we here? Why are we here? If you're good and if you love me and if you're present, then what is going on? Jesus, what's going on in our nation? What's going on in our world? What's going on in my life? Jeremiah asks a lot of these same questions. And this book is a reminder of a few things. It's a reminder of God's mercy and compassion, which we're going to see. But it's also a reminder, if you're here today and, and you know, you're kind of toying around with some sin or something, I love what Chuck, Chuck Swindoll says. He says, it the book of Lamentations, is a mute reminder that sin, in spite of all its allurement and excitement, carries with it heavy weights of sorrow, grief, misery, and pain. 
And because of that, God looks at you and I as his kids, as good parents look at their kids, and disciplines. Okay, I need all the kids in the room. I want you to look at your parents and say, oh, loving parent, thank you for disciplining me. Go, why didn't anybody do it? What happened there, right? See, see, we don't do that. We struggle with that thought, right? We don't thank God for discipline. It's so hard. It's painful. But here in this book of Jeremiah, we're going to see actually God's compassion and mercy when it comes to even the discipline that he brings in our lives. And so Jeremiah, as you're going to see, is very real and raw with God, and he talks about the anguish in his heart, and he talks about the pain in his heart, and he talks about feeling abandoned by God, and where is God, and oh, God, how? And so let's jump in to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1. You can read it with me. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He's driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he's turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He's besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Those are intense words. Have you ever felt like Jeremiah? Have you ever felt like, God, it's just pain in every direction? One of my favorite things to do is to get out on a boat and go about far enough out where you can look in every direction and, and almost see nothing but water. My wife hates that. I love that. I love getting out on the water that deep and that far and just feeling like, ah, oh, just everywhere I look, man, I just see more water. Some of us, if we're honest, it's like everywhere we look, there's just more pain. There's just more hardship. There's just more difficulty. I could look over there. I could look over there. I could look over there. I was out to lunch with some of our staff this week, and one of the guys was like, when was the most fun, carefree time of your life? And we just talked about that. And sometimes it's almost like in every direction you look, there's fun and joy and excitement. But sometimes it's like every direction you look, man, there's just a reminder of pain. And that's where Jeremiah is right now here in Lamentations. And he gets very intense and very real. You want to talk about some intense thoughts in somebody's head? Let's read this together. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. Have you ever felt like you were covered in this darkness that almost must accompany the dead? Verse 7, he's walled me in so I cannot escape. He's weighed me down with chains. Have you ever felt imprisoned or trapped by the circumstances you find yourself in? Verse 8, when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. It's not even that he doesn't listen to my prayer. He's like actively trying to shut it out. You ever felt like that's what God is doing? This is Jeremiah's thoughts in his head. He's barred my way with blocks of stone, and he's made my paths crooked. You ever felt like I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do and get on the right path, and every time I do, there's another obstruction, there's another thing in the way? He goes on. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. Now listen, everyone look up at me. This is so important. Jeremiah was really raw there, but listen. Those were the thoughts in his head. They are not accurate depictions of who God is. Our God doesn't mangle us and leave us without help. This is what Jeremiah was thinking. This is why the thoughts in our head are so important. This is why we have to pay a lot of attention to the thoughts in our head, because if we get this wrong, we'll believe very untrue things about the character of God, and that will greatly impact how we live. Verse 12, he drew his bow and made the target for, excuse me, made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He, he, the thoughts in Jeremiah's head are God's aiming at me. He's trying to take me out. I'm his target. I want to remind you, these are the thoughts in his head, not a picture 
of what God's really like. Verse 14, I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. Now, some of us have experienced this. We've gone through something really painful, and it wasn't enough that we went through something painful. Now people are starting to talk about it and, and laugh about it and point and jeer. And so Jeremiah is in a really low place, and I don't have time to keep going verse by verse through all of this and then commenting on it. So let's read a chunk of verses here, verse 15 and beyond. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. This is how Jeremiah is thinking about God. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember then, and my soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah says, oh, I remember all this pain well. I remember. I think about it. I, I meditate on the pain. That's where some of us are right now, aren't we? Meditating on the pain, thinking about the sadness, thinking about the despair. I get it. I do it sometimes, too. But 20 verses in. There's a change. 20 verses in, we've, we've heard 20 verses of Jeremiah's affliction and pain and hardship. And now in verse 21, Jeremiah says something so important. He says, yet this I call to mind. Everybody say, I call to mind. That is so important. Because you don't just call something to mind by accident. You call something to mind on purpose. You and I, on default, our thoughts often end up in sadness, despair, and seeing just pain everywhere we look. But here is this action of, I'm going to call to mind something different than what my mind's been thinking about. This is us overrunning the fluid concrete and filling it with truth. This is us taking the sledgehammer to the concrete, that mindset that's been there for maybe decades, and breaking it up. I'm going to call something else to mind. And he says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I have hope. See, I want you to leave today with hope. I want you to know today that there is an accurate depiction of what God is actually like coming as we continue to read here. Because lies and condemnation and guilt and lust and all those things find their way into our head. And we can choose whether we will continue to think about them or overrun them with the truth. Change uh, good thoughts or bad thoughts or old thoughts or old ways for God's thoughts. All of it. We don't just need good thoughts. We need God's thoughts. We don't want to stay stuck in old ways and old patterns of thinking. We want new thoughts, but not just new thoughts and not just good thoughts. God's thoughts. He says, I call this to mind and I've got hope. Jeremiah's condition hadn't changed, but he called something new to mind and his hope was renewed. For me, whether it's early in the morning or driving somewhere when you're kind of on autopilot or mowing my lawn as I was yesterday, my thought can end up in hurt and sadness and betrayal and all those places that your mind goes to. And yesterday as I was mowing my lawn, my mind just got there. It just went there. It kind of just happens, I think, doesn't it? And as I'm walking back and forth, I just caught myself. I said, wait, I don't have to think about this. I can call to mind new things. I can think about new things. I can think about the goodness of God. I can think about what he's done. And my hope was renewed as I'm just walking back and forth. My wife's sitting out on the patio back there as I'm on. She's got no idea that 50 feet from her, there's this battle going on in my head. But that's where I was. And as I'm walking back and forth, I begin to think about and name the goodness of God and the good things he's given and the gifts he's provided. And 
Suddenly there's a hope in my heart that hadn't been there before. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Everybody say his compassions never fail. I may feel like God doesn't love me. He's surrounded me with hardship. He's abandoned me. Everywhere I look, there's pain. But the truth is, what I've got to call to mind is that we're not consumed because his compassion, some translations say mercies, never fail. You know, as intense as this chapter is, there's a guy named Walter Kaiser Jr. who titled this chapter, The Compassions of God. Even with 20 verses of all Jeremiah kind of like spewed out of his pain, he's seeing the overarching theme of this chapter is the compassions of God. These compassions, as it says in the next part, verse 23, read it with me, they're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. So in other words, God's compassions don't run out. There's a constant supply of God's compassions. You know, back during the, the real, like the part where the whole world was shut down during the pandemic, there were a lot of things that were out of supply. You know, toilet paper, right? Everybody remember toilet paper was out. Like you go to Walmart and they're like, you can have one. You're like, I got five people in my house. One ain't gonna cut it, man. Like, all right, you get apply, you get apply, you get apply. You know, it's like, and do you know that Toilet paper wasn't the only bathroom-related product that ran out during the pandemic. Do you know what else ran out? Bidets. Bidets. This is not a joke. Like, when toilet paper ran out, people started using bidets. Now, what are bidets? Well, if you've never seen a bidet before, you can attach it to your toilet or have it installed in your bathroom, and it's going to... I'm not going to finish that sentence, but um, (laughs) even... The toilet paper, the bidet, like it all ran out. When I was in college, my buddies and I went to a friend's house, and they had a bidet. I'd never seen a bidet before in my life. If you don't know what a bidet is, you can Google it later. But uh, don't look at pictures. But, uh, um, and so as we went over, the, my buddy's like, oh, check this out. I've never seen one of these work. And so he went over, and he, he pressed the button to have it go on, and it didn't go on. So he's like, huh. And he did it again. He got closer. He did it again. And a whole stream came up in his face. Now, what was so funny is in the moment, what a normal person should do is back up out of it and then figure out how to turn it off. But he just stayed in it, and he's trying to, like, you know. <laughs> what else do you remember running out during the pandemic? Anything? Go ahead. Yell it out. Lysol? Gloves? Wipes? Masks? Yeah. All kinds of things ran out. But I love that Jeremiah is calling to mind that the mercies, the compassions of God never run out. They are new every morning. Great is his Faithfulness. Look at this. I say to myself, verse 24, I say to myself, can you go ahead and say the words I say to myself? That is so important. Read this with me. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. You don't say to yourself on accident. It's something you have to learn to do. You don't say to yourself, the Lord is good. You don't recall to mind His mercies are new every morning on accident. This is something we have to grow in. And Tom Constable says this, Jeremiah's recollection of God's character transformed his attitude. That's why what we think about is so important. That's why we have to make sure that we're filling up those gaps in our head with truth and not just the stuff that, listen, kind of falls in there, right? We probably got enough fries to make a meal out of, right, down in the abyss, don't we? Things that fell down there, wrappers, there's probably some quarters, some jewelry, right? Like I said, a limb or two, like it happens, you know? But man, that's just like our head. So easy for stuff just to fall down there. 
But man, here's the strategy. I'm going to call to mind. I'm going to say to myself. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. He just keeps filling his mind. I'm going to remember how good God is. I'm going to remember that he's good in the midst of my hardship. Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Maybe some of us are like, man, I've been kicking and screaming for a long time now, and I'm just going to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now listen, the salvation of the Lord is about sin, right? It's about being forgiven of our sin, but the Lord saves in many ways. He saves our souls, thank God, but he saves marriages, he saves relationships, he saves bodies, he saves finances, he saves joy, he saves peace, right? Like he rescues in so many different levels, and some of us maybe just need to sit quietly and wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now we're going to read another bunch of scripture together, and it kind of seems like Jeremiah starts to get back into that old mindset. He starts to struggle. Listen, this is like welcome to life, right? We struggle with the thoughts in our head. Sometimes we're mowing the lawn, and we can preach the truth to our soul for a bit, and before we know it, we've got stuff falling down into the abyss again. We've got to keep on fighting, and you see this fight in what Jeremiah says. He says in verse 27, it is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him and let him be filled with disgrace. But then he says this, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. And there's something I want to talk with you about that's so important. Some of you guys here today came in saying, you know, I'm going through what I'm going through because I did this, okay? And some of you came in today saying, I'm going through what I'm going through, but I didn't do anything to deserve this. I don't know why this is happening. And there's this connecting of the dots between pain in our life and what we did or didn't do sometimes. And today, I just want us to see this the way God sees it. Because throughout the verses that we've been reading, Jeremiah used words like, like punishment and wrath and some pretty intense words. And I want to make sure you know, and we bring this up at Living Word Church all the time in, in all our different environments, but, but here's what I want you to know today is that discipline is so different than punishment and wrath, right? Punishment and wrath are things that God poured out on Jesus when he got on a cross in our place so that punishment and wrath would never be on you and me. Discipline is God looking at you and I and saying, hey, here's some growth and some good that I want to bring, and we're going to walk through this road, and it's going to be painful and difficult, but watch what I can do in the midst of it. And we don't always understand that. Like, I think of my boy Landon, and I think of my daughter Bryn, who both had horrible injuries that needed to be either held down or tied down to a board as two and three-year-olds in the hospital so that the doctor could do the stitching and put the Novocaine, not the Novocaine, the, 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 um, the numbing agent into my boy's leg that had been torn apart and ripped open, and I can still see their eyes. I can still see Landon and, and Bryn's eyes looking up at me like, Dad, why? Like, like, like Dad, how? Dad, ah, how? And, and as two and three-year-olds, there's no way they would comprehend that Kelly and I are standing there in love, allowing that difficult moment so that they could end up being healed. And, you know, I think in our lives, that's, that's, that's the right view of our God, is that sometimes there are things and circumstances we walk through, and we're going, God, oh, how? How do you still love me? And this is true. How have you not abandoned me? And here God is lovingly, looking back, just like a good parent would, 
I know, I know, this is so hard. I'm here, and I'm with you, and this is for your good, and you watch and see what I will bring. But what about this question of, like, am I suffering because of what I did? And if not, why am I suffering? Let's keep working through this, because Jeremiah says something really confusing here. He says in verse 32, Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. So then you and I are like, but, but God, then why do I have grief in my life and affliction? Well, part of it's because we live in a fallen world, but part of it also is because what he's trying to say here is God never does it laughing at you. He never does it purposefully or purposelessly or pointlessly. He's always up to something when he's allowing discipline in our lives and difficulty in our lives. There's always something he's aiming for. John Gill says this. I read this to you guys last, last year in our post-traumatic growth, growth series. He says, he does not do it with delight and pleasure. He delights in mercy, but judgment is his strange act. Nor does he do it with all his heart and soul, with all his might and strength, nor does he stir up all his wrath. Again, you and I don't get the wrath of God. Jeremiah lived in a time before Jesus came. But now you and I, we don't ever get the wrath of God. For then the spirit would fail before him in the souls that he has made. And especially he does not do it out of ill will, but in love and for their good. In fact, not only does God not give you and I suffering just cause, Jesus also became known as the man of suffering. He walked right into our suffering and endured it along with us and for us. It goes on, let's read verse 34. To crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them of justice, would not the Lord see such thing? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Okay, everybody look at me in the eye real quick. This is so important. Jeremiah is connecting the dots between what he and his nation have done and the discipline that they're walking in. He's going, oh, I know why we're going through this. It's because of the way that we live, and God knows that what's good for us and what will kill us, and so he's disciplining us like a good parent to bring us back to him. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything you and I go through today has to do with something that we did. There is often not a connection of dots between our actions and something difficult that we're walking through in life. And one of the people that I think of is the man born blind in the scriptures, right? He's born blind. And in Jesus' day, the people of Jesus' day believed that if you were born blind or you were sick or you went through something difficult, it was because there was this direct correlation to some type of sin in your life or a family member's life. And they asked the man who, they asked Jesus about the man who was born blind, who sinned, this man or his parents? And I love Jesus' response. Read it with me, John 9, 3. Neither this man... Nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Sometimes there's a direct link. There's a correlation. You can connect the dots between, oh, I did this, and this happened. I punched the wall. I broke my hand. But sometimes our hand gets broken, and we didn't punch a wall. But God's allowed it for a reason to bring some type of good. Uh, growing up, I was friends with a family who had a big family that had four kids of their own. They wanted to have more kids of their own, and so they tried and tried and tried, and they had miscarriage after miscarriage, and it was horrible. And uh, many of the losses were in the third trimester, and it was just so painful and so difficult. And this family was broken. I remember 
one of the, you know, the husbands saying that for a time he just couldn't pick up his Bible. He was struggling in his, in his anger toward God. I remember the wife saying she, she was really struggling with prayer because they'd had these disappointments in what they walked through. So where's God in it all? You know, God, how? If you love me and if you're with me, then how? Well, as time went on, this family felt led to look into adoption and they began to look all over the place and they ended up adopting three kids Brothers, two brothers and a sister from a foreign nation, and then another girl from a different nation. And I got to see firsthand what God rescued these four kids out of. I got to see firsthand how different their lives were than they would, they would have been had they stayed in those other nations and environments. I got to see God bring such good and such change in their lives because of how he orchestrated all things to the rescuing of these children out of those environments. Now listen, that doesn't make it easy to reconcile the loss that this family experienced, but what good God did bring out of such a painful situation. And that's what God does for you and me. He takes those things, those, those times of hurt and pain and discipline, and he begins to show us like, oh, this is what I'm up to. And we look up at him sometimes with our, our eyes filled with tears, like why are you letting me be strapped down to this table right here and these strangers operate on me? And God's just saying, I'm with you and I love you. I have not abandoned you. And you and I have to learn to call to mind those truths. We're gonna stop reading with just a few verses. I need you to say something with me in just a minute. You ready? Verse 55, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my Plea. Everybody say heard. Verse 56, you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you. Everybody say near. And you said, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. Everybody say redeemed. This is the clear picture of God. He is not, look at me, he is not the God who chases you like a lion and drags you off the path and mangles you. That was a thought in Jeremiah's head that was untrue. I'm guessing some of us today have some thoughts about God that are untrue. He is not who we see in our heads. And I pray today that you're learning, like Jeremiah, to call to mind, to speak out, to say, to dwell on, to meditate on, to celebrate, to rejoice, to worship the truths about who God is to fill up the space in your head so that loose stuff isn't just falling down in there, but block that stuff. And you and I learn how to overrun that fluid concrete or we break up that mindset that's been there for a long time that we would be able to think the very thoughts of God. Fill your head with God's thoughts. You are loved and never abandoned. This week, take theology and let it hit you emotionally and practically. Fill your head with God's thoughts. Every time there is a thought that is the opposite of the truth we spoke about here today, by God's grace, you have the power to stop that thing and overrun it or break it up with the truth. You are loved and never abandoned. Fill your head with those thoughts this week. Next week, we're going to continue this series as we celebrate baptisms at the new property. But this week, man, stop those thoughts. Think God's thoughts. Watch you live a new way. Thoughts in our head are so important because they dictate what we do. Don't underestimate the enemy who whispers that you're not God's anymore, that you're not his child anymore, that how could he love you? How 
could he allow this if he's with you? I'm thankful for that pastor who had that horrible cancer report, who was honest about wondering if he was still God's child. But I'm thankful that he would recall and he would fight and he would think and meditate on the truth that he is loved and never abandoned. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to leave here today knowing the Savior that we're talking about, the one who got in your place, the one who endured the wrath and the punishment that you deserved, that I deserved, that wants good for you, and he wants you to see his great love for you and how with you he really is. And so I'll give you a chance to do that in just a minute, but this week let's fill our head with God's thoughts. You're loved and never abandoned. Jesus, thank you that this, this is truth, God. Lord, there's so many spaces in our head that get filled up with so many different thoughts, and I just thank you, God, for what we can see and discover and learn and celebrate in your word today, God, and I thank you that experience shows us that these things are true, God. I just pray for the person today that, that heard everything I said but was like, yeah, I just don't know if I buy it, and I just pray that, God, you would show them in their own experience that, Jesus, you love them, and they're not abandoned. I pray, God, that they would find such encouragement. I pray that you'd even help some of us here today who have had experiences with you, knowing the way that you turn bad for good, knowing the way, Lord, that you transform situations as we get our heads wrapped around your truth, Lord. I pray we'd be able to come along others that are struggling with it. So if you're a follower of Jesus, can you take a minute and just fill your head with God's thoughts? Maybe you just need to speak quietly out loud I'm loved and never abandoned maybe you need to speak out loud right now my God's compassions are new every morning maybe you need to speak out loud I am heard my God's a redeemer who is near take these truths with you this week if your struggle wasn't the struggle I talked about today that's okay take the same concept and I want you to fill your head with God's thoughts about your struggle if you don't know how to do that, please see me after service. If you don't know where to find scripture that can help you, please see me after service or Google scriptures about anxiety, scriptures about fear, scriptures about forgiveness, and then fill your head with those thoughts. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You can pray something like this. Jesus, thank you that you are the redeemer, the one who hears us and the one who is near. Thank you that your compassions are new every morning. Thank you that your faithfulness is great. Thank you that you don't willingly afflict us with grief. Thank you that you're after something, God. Our good and our growth and our knowing you and living for you. And Jesus, today I ask you to be my Savior and my God. And I ask you to show me how much you love me and how near you are. In your name, amen.